record. Clap in three, two, one. Clap again, three, two, one. Clap again, three, two, one. All right. Oh. Any clapping complaints or were we all happy with that? We were all happy. I forgot to mention there's a new trailer out um, for the new, the, the most recent 2024 Exorcist movie. I mean, no, no, Omen movie. Oh, they're doing God. they're doing an omen remake oh um, good we needed that yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah right up there with the children of the corn remake that everyone loved <laughs> what i what i love <clears throat> is that they always seem to go in order don't they yeah with the horror franchises it's like you know i mean there's the ones that are stuck in like copyright hell so yeah. like, you know nightmare on elm street jason those are sort of like off in a corner, but it's like Halloween. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it's like child's play. Then it goes down to like Hellraiser. And, and, and you, you'll throw like a carry in there sometimes and or maybe a Christine. The really surprising thing is the only one of those that was, has that, that has been good was the Hellraiser one. I guess an evil Dead. Yeah. Hellraiser and evil dead are the yeah. only two. That have done the modern iteration, unless I guess the I guess so. I think the definitive list of modern horror remakes that have not sucked um, for like at least big name horror movies have been uh, the Evil Dead, uh, both the 2013 and the most recent one. But we'll just count the most recent one, Um, Hellraiser, because the previous remake of that sucked, Uh, and what was there's there's a couple other ones that have been good. Because the Exorcist was be- Exorcist Believer was terrible, the Hollow the three most recent Halloween movies is a real divisive. That's not a unified love. The most recent the Cube first movie one was, was good. awful, awful. Yeah. Oh, uh, the new awful. It movie. I didn't. I never. I never ended up watching It Part Chapter Two, but It Chapter One. Me was neither. Great. Me it neither. Chapter, chapter Two is not been. bad actually. Okay. Um, it's it's the uh, thing with. The the thing with it is the first half is like the good part. Well, that's like, the problem like, with the, n- all of the it, it's no really one. Like. No, but like it in particular because wait, are we recording? Because this is good stuff, guys. Yeah, we are recording. <laughs> oh, we are. The okay. the, the, adu- <laughs> the adult part isn't. Uh, it it's not. Um, it's not scary because like when the yeah. first half of the movie is the clown is chasing children. Okay. Well, now the children have been traumatized by him for like 10 years and they're fully grown adults. Now, then it's sort of like, or like 27 years, even more. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, okay, well, it's not really scary anymore. Is it? No, you know? uh, not, it, not if you've gone through what they experienced in the sewer. Sure. The kid, yeah. Right? But, but well, like, like, but the second, for the them, second half of sure. the movie in the story is never able to live up to the terror of the first half because, yeah, because like, that, I mean, that's kind of the point. Well, also you like, you know, the monster now, so it's defeatable. But the second half if, is about PTSD. Well, the first half is about trauma, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm just I'm just saying the sure. second half doesn't doesn't is doesn't hit as well. Or it, like even in the even in the original it films, the second half is not nearly as good as the first half. I still like Yeah, yeah, like I still like, you like can, both. Yeah, I still like it too. But I mean like if if you asked everyone like what half of it would you rather watch? Like everyone's going to choose the 
I, the first half. I right? almost like, I almost watched it on the airplane. Oh wow! Airplane movies. I felt you watched Gran Turismo instead, didn't you? No, no, we watched that at home mistakenly. (laughs) Oh, Um, how was that? Awful. (laughs) The most, (laughs) the most saccharine, boring limp dick movie I have seen in my fucking life. What was surprisingly good? Not really, really Um, dumb, um, but surprisingly entertaining. Guys, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Um. Uh, this is very important. Okay. Um, I just realized that the last two weeks of the podcast, they're not. Guys, the last two weeks of the podcast just didn't upload. Matt, Matt, your your, your furry cosplay episode just didn't. Oh. I can't find files of it anywhere here. And, it'll it'll and, be a mystery forever. And Monty, our Monty, our, our spicy garlic chip eating competition, it's nowhere to be found here. We got we got to do three episodes right here this week. Oh, oh my god, oh my guys, god, guys, we got to so do. Behind. We got to do a triple episode of Fourth Times the Charm right now. Oh, better buckle up your britches. Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to Fourth Times the Chime, where niches need. I'm your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt, and El Hijo del Monte. It's Monte, <laughs> our, our world champion himself, Monte. Uh, the gang is all here Woo! for a super I know. special First it's, of it's a wonderful new year episode to have of Fourth Times the back Charm. in the in the in the on the pod. That's woo, for sure. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah, the whole gang's back together. Matt's yeah, been whole, scouting locations for our next movie. Chizang. and Monty uh, has been uh, in his has been in his dungeon uh, I, crafting new episodes of ooh. of the sunsets in the east. And um, I have just been hiding. Yeah, yeah. You've just you've just been sitting there, loathing life and being quiet, like a noble right. and staring black up to metal the ceiling light. Not <laughs> posting your top five for the uh, end of year roundup that will happen soon. Yeah, yeah. I was looking forward to that because I've been listening to some awesome music. So I I, I have four. That's my issue. I have four and I'm short one. I posted. I, I, I posted like a playlist with like well over. I know, Matt, and I've been albums. and I've been listening. I've been listening through it. Okay? You listen to Thanabaxis. I have actually, and that's on my short list. Oh, it's am I supposed album. to share my albums on on with you guys as I select them? If you uh, got a top five, yeah. Oh, if you okay. have your own top five albums of the year, so they have yeah. to be released this year. Okay. Um, if you have that, then yes, you should share them. Okay. Cool. Um, and then I can I'll add them to the master list, and then we will all listen to them. And then I guess we'll have to find a another outsider to rank them all. Yeah, uh, faith faith extractor, right? Yeah, faith extractor. It's a pretty good fucking album. Yeah, yeah I uh, yeah, I have I have four, and I have three albums that are like on the bubble but like there's a few more albums not in that playlist map but a different one mm-hmm. that that like i want to listen to first um so there's the we're, we're percolating this week this week by the end of this week we're gonna have all five in there 
Unless I'm, I'm, I'm lying to you, but it should be this you. week. <laughs> Did you listen to the Probably new Forash album? Uh, that's on my short list. That's is, one of the ones that's on the bubble. Is is Kvelgeist on your list? Bluntmiltsfruden? Okay, Matt, we're... You're just gonna... We're, this I, is not the end of your roundup, okay? I just, I just want to talk about metal! Yeah, I know, but you're just going through my list. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, right, let's go. So, all right. Well, Sweet, maybe taste. I will not have the worst taste this year. Okay. Uh, so quick, guys, we got to get through three episodes of Fourth Times the Charm here in one. Wait, like uh, and I'm going to episode? start right here. Yeah, three episodes in one episode. We're going to just talk frame this shit things? in together. Okay. And we're going to talk about starting out, we're going to talk about the Iron Claw movie. You cut me off earlier. I was going to talk about seeing the Meg 2, but I guess we'll talk sure. about the Sure. <laughs> sure. Let's talk about the Meg 2. No, it's That's right. how we're, we're going to start. Past it. We're already past it. We're, we're at the claw The claw now. Um, we'll, we'll come back to the Meg because I also the, have something to discuss about the Meg 2. The disappointment I felt watching the Meg 2 might come up in the conversation about this movie. Well, here, tell me, what what was disappointing about the Meg 2, Matt? Because I also uh, bore witness to the Meg 2. Well, I, I, so I've never seen the first Meg movie. Okay. Um, and so I watched the sequel on an airplane. I watched uh, the first one. So I, I can connect to that. All right. But I haven't well, seen the I, second one yet. So. I thought the second one, devoid of the context of the first movie, mm-hmm. um, had some really bad writing, but it felt very intentionally done. Um, and it was fun, but it didn't necessarily do what I wanted it to. And it didn't commit to, I think the harsher narrative or at least the more intense and the harsh narrative of the Meg two. Yeah. Well, you could have done a much more visceral movie. Like so, a lot so more- like in what way? Like, just more brutal like kills, us- like, more over-the-top action. Like, there was, like, cool stuff, but it felt very safe. It also felt very weird because there was, like, a very aggressive, like, message about China in the movie, which, like, it didn't bother me, but it was just really noticeable. You know the movie to- is produced by, a Ch- uh, half-produced by Chinese, right? Yeah, oh, you yeah. can tell. Yeah. <laughs> the first one... I don't know if that's the same. And the second one, it's pretty fucking obvious. Um, yeah. And that didn't that didn't bother me. It just kind of detracted from. I was like, it, it made me pay attention to it. It's like, it was, and and with that, it's like there was an additional element to the movie that could have been there that would have made it a little bit more intense or visceral, which is very similar to how I feel about Iron Claw. Yeah, I. Uh, so I got the meg up on a flight oh nice nice same same and uh i got it going the first 30 seconds uh, Mm. and then i completely zoned out because i was playing smackdown versus raw general manager mode oh all right um (laughs) and then i looked up and it was over that's what happened when i watched indiana jones and the dial of destiny there you go but what, what what's your favorite movie you've seen on a flight that's a good topic. I watched Wedding Crashers for the first time on an airplane when I was like 12 years old. Okay. That was pretty good. The first time the first time I watched Psycho was on a plane. Ooh. Interesting. The Hitchcock yeah. version or the one with mm-hmm. uh, Vince Vaughn? Are you talking about There's Wedding Crashers Vaughn? or Psycho? Psycho. <laughs> 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 
it was it was not the Vince Vaughn version. Oh, Although okay. I'm curious to see what that would be like. The remake Psycho uh, is frame by frame exact remake, except it's in color. So there's no point. So it got really shitty reviews well, because they said they just basically copied Hitchcock Hitchcock's version of it. But I thought it was refreshing to see something different. So or something new. But what am I? You're on the same uh, side of history as Vince Vaughn, Monty. Are you satisfied with that? You know, I don't mind Vince Vaughn. He's a good actor. Okay, so that's fair. <laughs> I mean. And Ben, speaking of shot for shot remakes, you know, we can't we can't discredit that notion too much because of the vampire Nosferatu. But Nosferatu is the the remake is like way more than a shot for shot because it recontextualizes it. You know, plus it adds way like it just, more it, than it, what's it accomplishes in the what it wished it what the original one wished it could do. Wait, is no, A24 but I think I think it translates Nosferatu. I don't. I don't know if it's a twenty four, but it it is uh, Robert. I'm pretty Edgers. sure it's a twenty four. Um, which uh, which you know we we keep bringing up a twenty four, um, and and you know their movies. I got a bone. Uh, I got a bone to pick with them. Why? I, I got a bone to them. pick with them too. Uh, we yeah, watched well, the my, Iron Claw. I'll, yeah, we did. We went to we went to see it on a sad weekend, but it was uh. You know, looking for some some uplifting energy. How was it? And well, it was fine. It was Here's good. the thing with the Iron Claw. It was a good movie. The biggest problem with the Iron Claw is that one of the Von Erics is still alive. They didn't get them all. Yeah. The story of the Von the the story of the Von Erics that the movie tells is of the Von Erich wrestling family helmed by Fritz Von Erich, a man who, since he changed his name uh, to the in-ring name Fritz Von Erich, his family has been cursed with tragedy. That includes the death of his uh, eldest son at six years old, and that includes a uh, the death of his third oldest son, David Von Erich, due to uh, intestinal issues. That includes the deaths of his two youngest sons, Carrie and Mike Von Erich, due to suicide. Um, and even though Fritz is portrayed as a stern father uh, through the eyes of Kevin Von Erich, the only surviving brother to this day who's played by Zac Efron, uh, it's a movie that really highlights the love between the brothers uh, and the the journeys that they all took and the hardships that they faced that weren't due to their father, but it was due to their own personal uh, issues living up to their family's legacy that was thrust upon themselves. Wait, uh, which one is the Texas Tornado? Which one? That's Kerry Von Erich. He's the one who died in the motorcycle accident. No, 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 he, no, oh. no. uh, we're, we're going to get to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, do yeah. we want a quick crash course on the Von Eriks? I will well, okay, try to so make this a, as brief as you, possible. So what, what I think under is 10 minutes is, is you, you gave a crash course of how the Von Erik story is presented in the movie, right? So yes. you, you, what you learn in the movie and then Ben, you can give us the real history here. Okay. So from someone who only knows the real history from you, a stoling it to me 
I feel like I can more more unbiasedly un, un, uh, describe the film. Um, innocently. Like, as, yeah, more innocently. Yeah, that's good. So so um, Holt McCanley plays Fritz Von Eric, the uh, patriarch of a famous Texas wrestling family. Um, he is a successful bad guy, and then he wants his one son, um, Kevin, to be a wrestler. He's doing real good. Um, and, but he can't talk in the ring. So they bring in his brother who wasn't wrestling at the time and convince him to, to become a wrestler and push. And that pushes Kevin forward and it makes him motivated because he wants to be his dad's favorite. Carrie Von Eric was going to be an Olympian and that dream died, uh, because of America and Russia. And then he gets controlled into becoming a wrestler. And then the three brothers come together and a love for each other. They have a lot of big matches. Uh, Kevin is constantly wanting to be at the top. Um, and it fluctuates between David and Carrie, who is. David has stomach pains and dies. Um, Carrie eventually kills himself. And so does their other brother. And Zach Efron's character just kind of sails off into sunset. And that's kind of it. And the message you're left with in the story is that Fritz von Erich might have been a really hard man and not a great father, um, but overall he just loved wrestling and he believed in his kids and his kids are the ones who pushed themselves to the limits that they achieved uh, and you don't really necessarily understand the true impact that the von Erichs had on the wrestling world. Uh, you just know that they were really popular and had a lot of family dynamics and that Kevin's the most important one. Hmm. That's okay. basically what the movie kind of presents. It doesn't necessarily say that Fritz is a great guy, but he's definitely not a absolute monster. And it's, it ends on a very positive note, which is nice. I would say, I think the ending's really beautiful. I don't begrudge that part of the movie, which I think is the only reason I don't have a more negative opinion on it. Cause the last like 30 seconds, the last like minute, or two minutes are really, really nice. They um, were not not in like a whitewashing or like a you know like a washing the truth away kind of vibe. Um, that's for earlier in the movie. Overall, well directed, beautifully shot. The wrestling was decent. There was not nearly as enough wrestling. Um, but besides that, there are some more other stories. So Ben, what's the true Von Erich story condensed? Okay. I'm going to try to do this in under 10 minutes. All right, Matt, if I start getting bogged down in something, uh, the code word is ravioli. Okay. You got it. Okay. Fritz von Erich, uh, purchases his stake in what becomes world-class championship wrestling. He was already ready a wrestler at the time. He was an evil Nazi. Uh, as time goes on, he ends up becoming uh, the head booker there, uh, and he starts putting his sons uh, as featured attractions on his wrestling show. David Von Erich is the first true standout. Kevin Von Erich is older than him, but David is the one who really wows everyone. And the territory is really put on the map on television in 1979 when David Von Erich defeats Harley Race all by himself on TV. Huge moment. 
WCCW gets a national TV deal with ESPN. And over time, alongside David and Kevin, Carrie Von Erich joins to form a trio after the Olympic after his Olympic dreams are crushed when the U.S. pulls out of the Olympics in 1980. Okay, that all is accurate. What happens then is Fritz, uh, realizing that his three sons are breaking out into huge nationwide stars while wrestling is itself becoming a a massive nationwide thing due to uh, the proliferation of wrestling on cable, he (laughs) starts running them ragged. Fritz is the hardest parent that you could be on a child and that applies for all three kids because he wanted to be like dory funk senior whose children terry and dory funk jr both became nwa world champion as Mm. he's running his kids into the ground they develop pill drug alcohol addictions uh but it's okay because they have a pizza in sponsorship and everybody loves them around the world they're becoming household names David Von Erich is set to become the NWA World's Champion in roughly May 1984 when it is reported that he died due to intestinal issues in Japan. Uh, What actually happened, by all accounts, is that he died of a drug overdose and Bruiser Brody flushed all the pills. That's in 1984. Is that a fact, though? Like... It's been corroborated by multiple people. And he was um, and he was very very active with his drug use. We know that's for sure. Yeah, it's you have to oh. understand uh they were the Beatles of Dallas, Texas. And this is something the movie does not get at all. Carrie, Kevin and David Von Erich were the Beatles of Texas. Everyone knew them, everyone loved them. Everyone saw them drunk, pilled up, sleeping around, but they're like, "Oh, it's our boys. It's okay." Mm-hmm. So then so David dies. Carrie Von Erich wins the world title from Ric Flair at the David Von Erich Memorial Show, uh which Fritz's, Fritz's biggest show ever. Yeah, Fritz's biggest show ever was the memorial for his son. Fritz marked up 8 by 10s of David to sell at the show. Uh, Carrie would lose the belt, uh, I think a week later in Japan back to Ric Flair because he was never the plan to be world champion. And he was incredibly unreliable because of his rampant drug use. Once again, this is all 1984. Uh, the younger son, Mike Von Erich ends up getting pushed into the business, even though he really doesn't want to. Mike is not cut out for the wrestling business at all. Uh, and he, in 1986, I believe, which is the same year that Gino Hernandez, another WCCW staple who's in the movie, but we don't hear much from, he ends up dying of, I think, a drug overdose as well. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. So he's dead. I think so. Uh, From what we talked about, I think that's correct. Yeah, then I know it was 86. I forget if it was a drug overdose, but I'm pretty sure it was. Um, That same year, Mike suffers a crippling shoulder injury, and they botch the surgery. Uh, So he develops toxic shock syndrome, which causes brain damage. Because Fritz doesn't want to lose another kid, 
being actively on his TV show. He trots him out against medical orders, and he's interviewed on national TV, having just suffered brain damage, being asked when he's going to return to the ring. Genuinely, if you find the video, one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. And he's only out there because Fritz puts him out there. The movie, the movie presents it as if it's like his choice and he like, it, it leaves it nebulous how forced it was, but it's, it's really, really disgusting. Like the movie makes you feel gross, but the real version is de- demoralizing, but the movie does not show you whether he ever actually does go and wrestle again. It just kind of uh, instantly I, has I, I him think die. It- yeah, I, I oh yeah, that's right. Wow, they they don't. No, they never Fritz forces him, in him back ring. in the ring uh after his brain damage while he still doesn't want to do it. Carrie, meanwhile, uh was drunk and pilled up while riding his motorcycle and ended up uh completely destroying his leg. They oh. were going to be able to save the leg and they operated on it and it was uh healing fine. However, when Fritz von Erich decided that it was time that uh, Carrie got out to the ring so we can pop a good house, and he forced Carrie out to wrestle a quick match while his leg hadn't fully recovered, they just pilled him up a bunch so he couldn't feel the pain. Carrie came backstage and he fucked up his leg beyond recognition and they had to amputate it. Oh, shit. Once again... Because of Fritz von Erich, not like in the movie where Carrie von Erich wins the belt, which once again is all the way back in 1984 in that very night has a gets drunk and has a motorcycle crash that costs him his leg. That is my biggest issue with the movie. Yeah, it's is that they blame Carrie von Erich for losing his leg when it was Fritz von Erich, his own father who drove him out there into that ring so he could fuck up his leg even more. Like, shame on you, A24, well, and even for if, absolving even if, even if Fritz von Erich of that sin. Like, the nice version of Fritz's story, like, you still could have shown the leg not being completely decimated and him forcing himself to wrestle, and that still would have been brutal. They tried exactly. to do it a little bit, but they really just kind of gloss no. over it and go instantly, instantly to when he was wrestling with one foot. So it's around this time that Vince McMahon has taken over Nationwide Wrestling, which we don't focus on. They treat WCCW like it's just some shitty indie, which it, it wasn't. Um, they they actually had a chance of becoming the number one wrestling company in the world back in 84. They mm. uh, In 1987, Mike Von Erich kills himself. Uh, they then introduce Chris Von Erich, the youngest Von Erich, who isn't in the movie at all. Chris really wanted to be a part of the family business, but unfortunately he was sickly and uh, too weak to be an actual wrestler. So in spite of his best efforts, he was, he was pretty small. He just couldn't cut it. And that's why in 1990, he killed himself, which would be followed by Carrie Von Erich killing himself in 1993 after he was fired from the WWF. There's, that's the general story. That's Kevin a lot Von Erich, uh, bloodshed in that family. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, Kevin Von Erich almost killed himself. This mm-hmm. was something I didn't know until after I watched the movie. Uh, I was reading a story that after all his brothers had died, Kevin Von Erich went to a store uh, to purchase a gun. Oh shit! 
and the guy at the store told him he was like you know i can sell you this gun but like are you okay and he's mm. like yeah i'm fine and the guy went you know just so you're aware kevin like you know everyone here we love you and we care about you and like ever you know it's gonna be okay but like you know texas loves you yeah mm-hmm. and so he he bought the gun he was he left with it and then he turned around and he returned it. So, like, nice. the guy who, who sold him that gun was the guy who saved his life. Yeah. That touching scene, not in the movie. Anywhere. That's really Kevin, surprising. Yeah, right? What a great moment for Zac Efron. The yeah, fact that, that Kevin Von Erich is yeah. alive and the fact that Kevin Von Erich clearly has shuffled a lot of the issues with his father into a dark corner of his mind, which honestly, can you blame him? No, not really. Means he put the kibosh of telling the true story of the Von Erics. The Iron Claw is a sanitized corporate version of what happened to the Von Erics. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie. Admittedly, it's a fictional movie based on true events, but I don't know if I've ever seen a movie bandy about a timeline so much in my life. Yeah, where they'll have events like Mike kills himself in 1987 and then they show a match between Kevin Von Erich and Ric Flair from 1986. Like, I like, is that small? I guess, but it's just, it's, it turns everything into such a soup when the real story of what happened to the Von Erichs is more spectacular and engaging and heart-wrenching than anything this movie delivers on. And so it it was a real, I had a real uh, irony taste in my mouth leaving the movie because I think there's an edit of the Iron Claw that's really good. And the Iron Claw we got was good. I mean, like, of course, you're not going to be able to get into Gino Hernandez dying of a drug overdose. Uh, Terry Gordy uh, uh, having a drug overdose on a plane coming back from Japan. Uh, or Lance Von Erich, the Von Erich that when they were running out of children, Fritz just hired a dude to pretend to be a Von Erich. Um, but he's, he's, he's my favorite one because that shit's just hilarious. Yeah. It's just a shame, I guess, because this was their one chance to do it. And it could have truly been a really special movie. But, like, as long as Kevin Von Erich's alive, you can't have that movie. Uh, And, like, Mm -hmm. I want Kevin Von Erich to live a a beautiful, long life. And he turned his life around, and that's great. And Zac Efron did a fantastic job. But, but it's not it's it's not the story. It's something fabricated. There is no such thing. The Von Erich curse is the fact that they all kill themselves or die of drug overdoses. There's no sort of like, oh, uh, a Romani uh, cursed my name because I crossed a black cat while walking across the street. Like, no, that's what the movies. No, the Von Erich curse is they're all dead. Yeah, the curse um, is the curse exists because of the what curse happened. is Fritz. What happened? The, the curse is Fritz happen? von Erich. Yeah, and his great parenting skills. So, so it was for someone that hasn't so it was, seen it, like me, 
would you guys still recommend checking it out or is it yeah oh, yeah walk in and, <laughs> and take with a grain of salt or something like that with the now that i both. know the real story both mm. it yeah like if you're a true blue wrestling fan like me there's a lot of things in the movie that annoy you like there's rick mm-hmm. flair in it but like it's oh a rick, the world's shittiest rick flair impersonator or like they have the world class intro, it's but they don't awful. use the world class like, theme music. It, it's it's a Ric Flair impersonator that can only he can't do a woo. Connected to like your friend doing it at a bar late at night. <laughs> yeah, instead of going instead of going woo, he goes wow. Are you see, uh, like maybe maybe they didn't have the rights to do the full on. No, I don't. I don't they don't have the rights, rights to do woo. Something. <laughs> so i so it no, was just it, it was just an awful casting choice yeah the actor that plays rick fleary i don't see him do much i uh, haven't seen him do anything <laughs> i don't see him doing much more um and so that's the iron claw mm. it's it's good what it could have been amazing. The Von Eric story yeah, is ben, probably the most emotional out. story in pro wrestling. I yeah, think. I, can't hear I that. think it's the most tragic story in wrestling. He sounds like he's losing connection. He's he's losing connection like the Von Erichs did when it came to losing their connection to reality due to their <laughs> depraved and depressed minds. <clears throat> That's what we can take away from this. We, we got to upload this episode in a day, so I just hope you know I'm not editing any of this. <laughs> what what we're getting is what we're getting. That's the fourth. So time that so that's the Iron Claw. I'd that give is. it. Um, so what are I would your, give you guys the Iron Claw on this movie. Let's I'm, start with out Matt. of out of oh. yep. Yeah, let's start with so Matt. out of so on the. On the charm scale, I'd say it gets a solid, like, mm, I would say two and a half charms. Like, it's entertaining and the actors are good, but it, it it's really, it's a sad story, so it's not very charm forward. Um, but it is well done and entertaining, especially as, like, a semi-casual wrestling fan. Um, overall quality, I can't ignore the changes the story made despite even um kevin coming out and saying why he chose them it just it feels like it's not being honest and i feel like when you're watching the movie you can tell that's the case and because of that i think i end up giving it on the overall quality scale a three and a half so overall yeah, me too well made yeah, well that's, acted that's, that's, but that's not my exact score impressive i agree oh, beautiful Great minds and all that jazz. All right, so it's not too bad. But it's worth watching. Like it's worth it's, going to see. It's yeah. it's worth watching just because like we never get a big budget wrestling movie. So like if you're a wrestling fan, you gotta see it just to like enjoy it. Encourage yeah. more wrestling movies. Yeah, there also should MJF's be a lot in it more for, like, movies telling these stories. That was some bullshit. You got you got robbed. Eh. What can you do? What? How'd the box office do for this? Um, uh, not great. Yeah, I didn't hear much. It about made it. like I think it. Oh, I think it made less than twenty million in its opening weekend. 
Um, it was, I think this weekend it was number six or seven in the uh, total box office for the uh, Christmas New Year's week. But it's still in wide release from my understanding. Um, so it's got a chance to make some money. I think it could be a... If it gets any like significant... Um, uh, what's it called? Like like Oscar attention, it would go somewhere, but I don't think so. It's so yeah, so it's it's domestic gross. Um, has it, been eighteen it, it's made, million. It's made, yeah, eighteen million off a sixteen million budget. And, so and, a, and four million their opening weekend. So not crazy. No, they got to make like a hundred and twenty million. Um, to really break <laughs> even. <laughs> not not quite, but about thirty million is is what they need. What did they? What did you say the budget was? Budget was sixteen million. Oh, I thought you said six D, not sixteen. No, no, sixteen. Oh yeah, oh they're good. All right. Yeah. They're, they're, this is oh. like this is like slasher movie uh, price range here, so they're gonna be fine. Just about. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Uh, in comparison, the the movie Ready to Rumble. Mm. Well, as as we all off know. of <laughs> off of a budget of twenty four million dollars. Had a box office of twelve and a half million dollars. Wow, really? <laughs> wow. I want to. I want to live in the world where Ray to Rumble made fifty million dollars at the box office. Oh man, just a, imagine that movie being just absolutely wildly successful. Well, you know what's successful was fighting oh. with my family. A budget of eleven oh. million and a box oh. office of forty one point. Five million. I thought you were talking about your actual experience. Oh, that that would be awesome too. <laughs> wow, this just in. Ma, this Shea Butter wants to beat down some family members. <laughs> I drew uh, good old fighting I drew with wife. my family. I'm just actually going through. You're I'm thinking about like that. what were the most successful wrestling themed movies out there. The I, I know the wrestler is definitely up there. That's like the one. Yeah. In my opinion. But which one? The, the wrestler. wrestler. Like the Oh, oh, which one? The the Vern one or the Mickey Rourke one? The Mickey oh, Rourke. Oh, I I've, I've only seen the Mickey Rourke. I one. never heard about the other one. Okay. The 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 wrestler from 1973 is probably the most wrestler wrestler movie mm. ever made cuz like it's just filmed with guys at Vern Gagne's AWA at oh, the really? AWA shows. Yeah. It's it's very cool because... Is it a it, documentary? It's, just, it's like... um, It's a dramatic retelling. Oh, It's yeah, like, yeah. Wait, wait, what are those... What are those movies, Matt, where I think you're the one who told me about... It. There's like some movies where... The things they're doing, they're really doing, but they like stitch a narrative together around it. I mean, it's like it's like improv or like observational kind of like capture humor. Yeah, kind of new wavy. Yeah, where it's like so. visceral because it feels like it could be real, but you know everything's fine, really. So, so anyway, that was that was my uh, that was my podcast. <laughs> And we also talked about the Meg 2 in there. That's, yeah, yeah, That's the like Meg, sort of a the podcast. Meg, the whoa, Meg 2 whoa, has more, hey more guys. charms. Matt, you yeah. won't believe this. Ben what? just what? teleported a gift into my lap. 
Whoa! What, the heck? what a loving Whoa. man you are! Oh my gosh! A truly a generous. I'm just lover. sitting here at my desk, and all of a sudden, a bulge appeared on my, uh, on my seat. Well, we we know we're used to. That <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wait, 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 Monty. Did you say there was a bulge? A package. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm okay. pretty sure you. Said- I want to. I want to make sure I sent the right thing. Oh, okay. But yeah. yeah, Ben's a real bulge enthusiast. I yeah. All jokes aside, thanks, Ben. I I you know what? I saved opening this gift on air. So should I do it right the now? The very last or? gift of the season. Do it. <laughs> do it. All right. Oh my gosh. Taryn tied this a little too tight. Maybe I can slide it off. Ah. All right. Yes, I can. Okay, I don't have to damage her. This is a live unboxing. Live unboxing. I wonder what it is. It's very light, the box. But, yeah, let me see here. Can you get some ASMR on this here, too? I guess, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm hearing it. (laughs) Ooh. Sounds good. It looks very interesting. I'm pulling it out. Ah, Hold on. The, the gift, not not what you guys are thinking. Yeah. What were we thinking about, Monty? What do you think we were thinking about? A stick of gum? <clears throat> no, I'm just happy to see you. <laughs> Ooh, oh, it's in another package. Oh, I gotta cut this. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, let me... <laughs> <laughs> if you don't work for it it's not worth it you know uh, you gotta earn it you, you gotta earn your present all right let me the outer box is for visual flair the inside box is the real competition all right let me see all right all right here we go all right uh, there we another win. opening Ooh, it's in a bubble wrap that means it's very precious <gasps> Uh, Anything for you is precious. Oh, oh! Only the most precious for our champion. No way! What is it, Monty? Oh my gosh, guys! If you guys, all you listeners out there, if you guys remember an episode where I had a childhood toy wrestling action figure that I lost because my parents decided to throw all my toys away. Holy crap! Oh, and he's got his cowboy hat. So he sure does. I got Cowboy Bob Orton, the wrestling action That's figure. That's right. Oh yes, thank you, Ben. This this means. And a he's lot. got he's he's got his little card in there too. His yeah. little bio card. What what's his bio card say? A uh, two hundred thirty eight pound wrestler, wrestling technician, in air quotes. Uh, sorry, in quotes, from Kansas City. Kansas Cowboy Bob Orton is a master other wrestlers only dream about. Orton's power driver is feared throughout the WWF, which is WWE today, and his suplex is considered to be the best in the business. Should an opponent ever get, have a to very good get the upper hand on Orton, his lightning quick reflexes allow him to, to counter and strike back in a flash. Whoa. Uh, let's see. Cowboy Bob Burton is a 
tough man to beat in the ring. And in recent years, he has established himself as being a tough customer out of the ring as well. The fact that he is a much sought after bodyguard only goes to further compliment. Sorry, after bodyguard only goes to further compliment his physical toughness and strength. And strength. Okay. Oh. Did you wrap this up Merry yourself? Christmas. Well, well, Taryn wrapped the gift. Yeah, Taryn wrapped it. Oh. Ben found it. Yeah. Oh. I got it. Thank I got you. it, and Taryn got it there. Thank yeah, you. Teamwork. Thank you. I love we it. We made that dream work. That's right. R- wrestling figures unite the world. So, Ben, now, <laughs> I'm, now, I'm... now, 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 regale us with one of the most depressing stories you can about the Orton family. Oh no! Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton's actually pretty, pretty chill. Right. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I was, yeah. Matt is trying I, to shoot I've, me down. No, I just, I've, I just wanted to get a little <laughs> bit of history out of it. After like Ben like, ruined so, Marty Janetti for me, now he wants me to. Ruin, no, he this wants isn't, to ruin my my so, Christmas gift from. from well, tell us a no, great no, story th- about this. This isn't about them, th- This isn't. This isn't a Marty Janetti. Uh, Bob Orton Senior. I've seen him wrestle a little bit. Um, he was perfectly fine, but you know, back in like the fifties and sixties, it's really hard to get a good, um, it's hard to get a good vibe off of like quality of wrestlers. Cause it was just so different. Mm. Um, Bob Orton jr. Uh, wrestled, uh, as well as I believe it's his brother who became known as Barry O for Barry Orton. He was never anything more than an enhancement talent, but he did get some airtime during the Vince McMahon steroid trial. He was one of the wrestlers who would make the uh, rounds on television talking about Vince, encouraging people to use steroids. Cowboy Bob Orton himself is probably best known for his signature uh, cast weapon, which uh, he didn't have at the time his LJN figure was made, you'll notice, Monty. But uh, because the cast was hard, he broke his hand oh uh, and then he and because it was a legitimately broken hand uh he'd be able to use it as a weapon and curiously enough his hand just happened to stay broken for like three to five to 20 years after that pretty pretty strange thing how hands heal uh he would of course uh be the father of randy orton aren't we yeah, yeah, I was just going to let him keep going until I heard enough <laughs> silence to jump back in and just hope he was done. Where where, where did I lose you, Monty? You're, we're still losing you, you didn't man. E- You didn't even finish that sentence. We got where did... The, but, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I got an okay, so he is alive. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <clears throat> we're fading in and out. Uh, anyway, mostly Bob. Out. Mostly out? Well, but we're well, now, better, now we're now we're in a good position. Yes. Is it better if I talk slower? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. It's just then you just glitch slowly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, go cowboy, on. Go on. Cowboy saying, Bob man. fathered Randy Orton, who made a big splash in WWE. Is you to know this what? Day, I think the, the FBI is champion. like trying to shut him up because he knows too much about wrestling. He's exposing too much truth. 
Yeah, he's 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 exposing the dirt sheets too quickly, too fast. <laughs> Vince McMahon has him tapped. <laughs> How dare you reveal the secrets of our people? <laughs> the downfall of Randy Orton shitting people's bags. Yeah, he put his dick on someone's shoulder once too, right? Yeah, on John wow. Cena's shoulder. And his father bled on The Undertaker when he had hepatitis. Oh, that's nice. And The Undertaker was not happy about that. He did not work for WWE again after. Who? I can't Randy imagine Orton? why. No, Bob Orton. Oh, Bob Orton. Yeah, but that was when he was old. Oh, wow. I think hmm. I think the so uh, it's okay. The abyss swallowed Ben. <laughs> I, I I think the narrative is maintaining its interesting delivery. <laughs> Matt uh, just you guys en- just got to listen to the episode this to find because out. he doesn't like talking about wrestling. <laughs> no, I I don't dislike talking about wrestling. I enjoyed talking <laughs> That's a about. Lie. No, I just think that there are times in which our presentation of the wrestling information we're talking about can be done with a little bit more pizzazz. You got a yes and, Matt. You can't no but. Oh, I can. (laughs) So, is Bob Orton still wrestling? I think he is, right? I mean, he's in his 70s now. But maybe. Here, let me check. His son is. His son's a big fan of Logan Paul. (laughs) <laughs> Randy Orton yeah man that guy is like unbelievable right like he's <clears throat> genuinely like a generational talent like yeah when you think about his place and legacy in wrestling I think he really does hold a really magical place for a lot of people for and for all for a very good reason like yeah. he is such a tremendous wrestler like in his, how he maintains his physique all through the years, he's oh, like I mean, never yeah, aged. He is jacked. Damn, Bob, Cowboy Bob last wrestled in July. Wow, real how? And he's he, how old? He dro- he dropped the SICW tag titles to the LA Hustlers oh, in what, Belleville, what? Illinois. Oh, really? <laughs> you could have gone. I know. I I could have seen him lose the title. That would have been a real highlight of my year. That would have been better to my, than my entire European trip. Oh, his daughter? He's 73 years old. He's how old? 73. Nice. Yeah, he's 73. So his last... he, he Oh, so he last wrestled when he's 72, I guess? Oh, jeez. Yeah, he debuted in 72. There you go. Wow. Well, now we genuinely learned something. What a gift of a day this was. Everything, well, you're you know going why? to learn something when together, you listen back we, to the we, podcast. We winged this episode and all, no, everything so tied. Monty, everything. don't reveal the secrets. <laughs> Damn it. I was going to make us look good. This <clears> is the episode WWE doesn't want you to hear. Whoa. <laughs> that's pretty. It's a pretty radical thing to say there, Benjamin. Benger man. That's his wrestling Fuck name. Fuck you, Matt. What? Are you, Fuck you, you, Matt. I, it is pretty radical. <laughs> I don't know why you're taking so much offense to the radical nature of your words. Oh, boy. Just don't say my name again. Benger man? 
No, Monty, stop it. <laughs> Benjamin? Yeah, that's fine. Benjamin. Benjamin? Yeah. Benjamin. Yeah, sure. Benjamin. Ben the Benjamin man. All right, do we have uh, anything we'd like to share before we sign out? Uh, I think we're good. I mean, the only thing, the only, I recently, I got to see the, uh, um, new film from the same director as Killing of the Sacred Deer and Dogtooth, uh, with his new film, uh, Poor Things, um, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, and Rami Youssef. And, you know, it's been getting a ton of Oscar attention and, like, critical acclaim. And I thought it was perfectly fine. Is it out? It, yeah, it's out in, in theaters. Oh, okay. I'm going to... It's I'm a beautifully to go, shot movie. I'm planning to go see Gorilla... Uh, sorry, not Gorilla. Uh, Godzilla minus one for the fifth time <laughs> with my friend. Wow, I've, I've heard good things. I've heard nothing Dude, but good Dude, there's something things. about that movie that I... Even though I watched it for the fourth time, like it's still very fascinating to watch. And and another fun fact I found out today was the movie was made on a budget of fifteen million dollars US. Wow! Can you believe that? Yeah. Holy shit! I mean, that's I think that's the only reason the movie's profitable. Yeah, and they're planning to do a. I think they did already do a, a re-release because it did so well in the theaters and a limited mm-hmm. screening. So, yeah, I will. That's I don't know if rad. I talked about it in our previous episodes, but definitely we'll talk about it. Yeah, I think, well, I, Matt, well, I think you well should go worth see it. Talking about. It. I want to. I mean, I, I, I've. Everything I've heard about the movie has impl- in, in, in implied that it's well worth the time and one of the best, you know, addendums to that entire franchise, so it'd be. Yeah. That's another good example of a movie that used to be another movie and now is actually a good movie. Uh, surprisingly, not a bad movie. That's true. That is true. Because... A lot of people were shocked to see that they're trying to remake the 1954 version of Godzilla. It is a remake, yeah. but it's definitely it had they changed the story slightly. Does so. it have like the like heart and energy you'd want from it to actually feel like? Oh yeah, dude. This special. is this is this is the the destructive force. This is the not the uh, human loving Earth. Uh, environmentally friendly Godzilla. This is this is evil Godzilla, man. This so guy just saying, wants to destroy everything. What I'm hearing from you, Monty, is that your Godzilla ain't no simp. He ain't no simp. And I can respect that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, you should check it But we all simp for Godzilla. Hey, if Taryn yeah. liked it... Taryn said she slept through it. She slept through it, but she says she did find it fascinating that it wasn't what she was expecting it to be, I think. I mean, that that is a good review. If any movie that can genuinely surprise the viewer is doing something right. Yeah, because she thought it was like just people in rubber suits fighting each other, like two giant monsters fighting on screen. But she realized this one is kind of different. Sometimes it can be. Yeah. Not this movie, but other Godzilla movies. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Did we lose Ben? 
I don't know. I'm still here. I haven't he seen just, Godzilla. He was just it's deep all good. in thought. I'm, I'm letting y'all vibe. <laughs> I, I don't know when I'm going to go out again, so I'm like trying to, you know, save my spots. Well, let me tell you, I'm very sleepy. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, Monty's also very sleepy. Oh, hey, we can be tired. We can cuddle. And while we they cuddle, spoon, right? I will advise you. Only if, you're, only if you let me be Big Spoon. All right. That's fine. Sweet. Well, you know, I used to let Matt be the big spoon. You need to learn how to be loved. I'll be the little dipper. Ooh. <laughs> I like we're going okay. in like size descending <laughs> order with this love arrangement. Well, maybe this episode will get less sexually strange <laughs> when the fourth time's oh. the charm. Good night. <laughs> and good morning. Hmm. That's what we're ending on. Wow. Right there. Yeah, what a joyous experience. What a way to bring Cut in the off. new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> we're waiting for it. We can't go off air until Monty says it. The moment he says it, the moment he says it, I'm... Great. Matt, just Monty, say it. Talk to y'all later.